Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Good morning. Uh, much better. Now I feel good. Thank you. Um, one of the, the things that uh, we, we believe very much at our church is when you come into God's house, you come into these walls, you're part of our family. Now that's kind of weird because I don't know any of you. You don't really know me. So I'm going to spend a little time this morning as we kind of get started to tell you a little bit uh, about me and my family. Um, I've been married about 16 years. I have three kids. There we go. Three kids. A 14-year-old who is a freshman, an 11-year-old who is in sixth grade, and then a four-year-old. In our house, we, we have some rules. Uh, one thing I would say is my family and I are very weird. Um, we like baseball and Jesus a lot. Not in that order. Jesus and baseball. Um, but there's some rules in our house, and the rules kind of look like this. In our house, there are certain things we always make sure we take care of, and we always make sure we know where they are. Uh, the first thing is obviously God's Word, our Bible. Uh, we spend a lot of time in that. Second thing is our baseball gloves. We make sure they're always taken care of. My, my four-year-old used to lose his glove all the time. He doesn't anymore. He sleeps with it. He, he loves it. That's a huge thing. Uh, the third thing is we, we teach, especially to my son, um, the, the value of honoring women. So we, we take very good care of his sisters, take very good care of my, my wife and his mom. We, we, we love the women who are in our house. That's one of the rules. And the fourth rule is kind of weird, and that is we love superheroes, I know, I qualified it all and told you we were weird. Um, For Father's Day this year, my wife got me probably one of the coolest gifts in the world. She got me an encyclopedia of every single Marvel superhero. That is a great gift, isn't it? I know. Uh, My my son recently um, found out that in our basement, I have two boxes that are about this wide and about this tall, Filled with nothing but superheroes. That, that's, I'm coming out to you right now. I'm a 39-year-old man who has superheroes. That's just, that's true. So one of the things my son comes, he says to me almost every day is this, Dad, can we get out your superheroes and play with your superheroes? And I constantly come back to him and say, Jack, we, we can't do it right now. Um, there, there'll be time. We will do it. Well, this last week, we, we got him out. And one of the reasons I don't like to get him out is because I don't ever get to play with them. <laughs> because what happens is this. We, we've got about 60 to 70 superheroes. So my, my son is very meticulous. He, he lays them all out, and then he says, okay, Dad, now let's, let's pick who we want to play with. So he always gets the first pick in the draft. That's one of the rules. So he picks the first one he wants, and then it's my turn. And I take the superhero I want, only to have him say this. Well, you know that one is really my favorite. <laughs> So I say to him, well, would, would you want that one? Yeah, that, that'd probably be good, he says. So he takes that one. And then we make our second pick. And he takes his, and then it's my turn, and I take mine. And he says to me, you know, that one's really my favorite too. And by the time we get done with everything, he has all 66. <laughs> and I have None. And I think that's, that's kind of one of those interesting things because really when you, when you look at that, he really doesn't have favorites. He just wants them all, right? I mean, if, if we're honest, he just wants them all. And it's, it's one of those things when, when Pastor Jeff called me and said, hey, I'd like you to preach for me. He, he gave me this, this great section from Acts chapter 10. Um, and and what, this is one, one of the things we do at my church, and I, I don't know if, if Jeff does it here, but... He's gone. So um, (laughs) 
today it's going to be my way. Um, I'd like you in your notes section to write this word nice and big, homework. Uh, See, I know, right? Homework, first thing is this, Acts chapter 10. Because Jeff did this great thing, is he gave me the end of Acts 10, which is this unbelievable section where God does this incredible thing with Peter and, and with the Gentiles. But the problem is this, for, for a lot of us who are here, we, we maybe don't know the book of Acts that well, and you really kind of got to read what happens up to this point. We're going to kind of go over it quick, but what happens, and if you have your notes, we're, we're going to slide into our notes right away. In the section that we have tonight today is this, God, God does not play favorites. And we're going we're gonna to actually jump right into our, our text um, from Acts chapter 10. Uh, if, you, if you have your notes in front of you, look at what it says. It says, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So the reason I gave you homework is because you've got to kind of understand what's going on. So there's this, this guard named Cornelius, okay? And he is a believer, and God sends an angel to him. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you, Gentile Cornelius, to go and get a guy named Simon Peter. And I want you to, to bring him over here, and I want him to share the gospel with you and with your friends. Now, now understand culturally what would be happening. There's huge tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, I don't know Arizona very much, and I, I, I don't, I've only been in Appleton where I served now for about four years. Um, in, in Appleton, there's not a lot of racial tension, but I came from Milwaukee, and in Milwaukee, there's huge racial tension. In fact, Milwaukee is one of the hugest cities um, with racial tension, I believe, in the United States. So Gentiles and Jews never hung out. And it would be a difficult thing for Peter as they, they come in, but this is what is so neat. God prepares Peter for this. And in fact, what he does is he has Peter up on a roof, and Peter's hungry, and he has this dream, and, and God allows this vision to come to Peter where a, a sheet is open, and there are all these animals. And God says to Peter, look, I, I want you to take and eat. And Peter says, God, I can't do that because some of the animals that are on here are unclean and some of the animals are clean and I'm a Jew and I, I can't eat those unclean animals. And God says, hey, look at those are, those are old laws that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And what needs to happen is now everything is open to you and, and nothing is unclean. And what we see is God setting the stage for this Gentile to come and get Peter. And, and I think it's interesting. I have this passage from uh, Hebrews if you remember that the Jews, right, they, they were constantly looking for the Savior. And what they, they would do is every day God was preparing them because we're, we're going to see that our, our God has a plan, right? And he was preparing them through sacrifice. So the Hebrews passage says this, unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So what we see is this. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament laws. Um, if we can just slide on to our, our next blanks, we, we've got this. Um, our God has a plan, and there is a method to his plan. God, and, and I don't know where you are in your, your walk with your Savior. Maybe some of you have been Christian your whole life. Maybe some of you are here are new. But one of the things that cannot be denied is this. Our God is a God of order who has a plan. Uh, if you have any doubt on that, you can flip your sheet over and write additional homework, Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> 
Because we see in those six days, our God lay out everything in a very meticulous order. See? And what he does is once that sin enters the world, he prepares his people for the coming of the Savior. That's why I had that Hebrews passage, because day after day, high priests would make intercessions, they would make sacrifices. And that would point ahead to this great sacrifice that Jesus, through his perfect life, through his innocent death, would pay for the sins of the whole world. God's plan was simple. His plan was this gospel message come first to his people. And if if you know your Bible history, you know that his people rejected that promise. To the point that they even then crucified that Savior. And now that message travels not only from Jew, but on to Gentile. And, And this is what is so neat. In these passages, if you have them, and it's kind of a longer section we'll read through and then we'll highlight some of the verses. This is is one of the coolest, most concise confessions of God's plan of eternal life that there is. Starting in verse 36, it says this. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. That's the first section. Peter Peter immediately, immediately takes and, and, and... talks about peace. Now, now you got to understand, we got to set this up a little bit. One, one of the things I always say at my church is, when I get to heaven, like my first thousand years is just going to be watching heaven DVDs, like Jesus DVDs. Because, see, I'm, I'm a visual guy, and I, I can't imagine the tension that would have been going on. So, if you remember, right, Peter's a Jew, Cornelius and his friends are Gentiles, they never hung out. And now they go get him, and they bring him in, and here's Peter, this Jewish guy, and he walks in to this room full of Gentiles. And I kind of imagine, this is why I want to see the DV, I kind of imagine this like this. Oh, hey, what's up? And maybe some of you who have had this incredible opportunity to be in different situations cross-culturally, I always think about when I was in Milwaukee, this is how it was. My, my, my members... They would have this great thing where they would give me a really hard time and they'd say, hey, Pastor Ski, you're, you're like the closest white guy we know who's black. Like, you're, you're almost there. <laughs> but then there would be these unbelievable moments where it was pretty clear that I was white. <laughs> and there's this tension, right? A tension that was managed. And, and it's so cool because look at what Peter does. He immediately brings it back to this. God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. You you look around this world and if we're honest, there's not a lot of peace. In fact, there's tons of tension, not, not just racially, not just culturally, financially, familially. I mean, tons of tension. And Peter immediately comes back and he says this. This Savior, Jesus Christ, is different. Through his life, through his death, he fixes a a broken relationship between you and God. And he provides you with peace that this world can't give you. And that peace then flows into all of our other relationships. Because, see, this is the thing. 
God and the picture I used of my son are very similar. Because in the same way my son says, well, that one's my favorite and I want it, and that one's my favorite, God looks down and he says this, you're sinful, but I want you. And he sends Jesus, who through his life and through his death, fixes that and calls us into that relationship. And that's an incredible thing. Because see, when we look, it's not about race, it's not about culture, it's about sin. (laughs) And if we're honest, every single one of us have it. And if we're honest, what we see is it is this sin that separates us from our God. And yet through Jesus, this peace is brought back. Passage continues, verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Uh, now, if, if you're taking notes, this, this next one, verse 41, I want you to underline all of verse 41. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. V- verse 41 is a key verse. Because in verse 41, we see a couple things. First of all, again, our God is a God who has a plan, and there's a method to that plan. And that is this. Already at this point, when Jesus had died, he had been crucified, he'd been put in the grave. Word of him being uh, resurrected had already started to flow, and there were already people who were rejecting. And Jesus takes and he appears to his disciples, those whom God had chosen, who were in that circle, who were with him, who were already believers. That is so huge. Because I imagine that those believers and those disciples, even though they clung to that message of Jesus, there were doubts and there were fears. And and this is one of those things that I think so many times as a church we fail to be like Jesus. Because what we see here is this. Jesus Jesus does something different than, than almost all the time we do as a church. And that is this. First and foremost, Jesus meets the need, and then he teaches. And I think so many times as a church, we we, we look to teach before the need is met. Now, maybe some of you don't understand what I mean there, so I'll give you some examples. First and foremost, we can look at that resurrection, right? He appears to his disciples who are afraid, who are terrified, and he calms their fears, and then he teaches. You can think about the life of Jesus. Peter walking on water. Do you remember that story? Peter gets out of the boat. He starts to walk on water. The waves come. He gets scared. What happens? Don't worry. The sermon gets really long if you don't answer. He sinks. And as he's starting to sink, Jesus stops and he says, you of little faith. Right there in the water, right? No. He puts his hand out, lifts him back, puts him in the boat, meets the need, and then teaches. Feeding of the 5,000. Right? What's the need? The people are hungry. And Jesus doesn't say, they need to endure an hour and a half sermon and then we'll feed them. <laughs> right? He feeds them, meets the need. You, you, you can think about his messengers, right? Angels appear to Mary. First thing she does, falls down and is terrified. Angels say to her right away, do not be afraid. You who are highly favored calms the fear. Jesus is the resurrection in the tomb. Angels, right? The tomb. People face down. Do not be afraid. 
And see, this is a cool thing. In, in witnessing, you have the thing that meets the need. And it is that gospel message because the primary need that every single human being on this earth has is forgiveness because they've offended a holy God. And it is this message that changes lives and changes eternities. It continues. Look, if you got the text. This this is the other one. Double underline the second word here. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of his sins through his name. Why did I have you double underline commanded? Don't worry, I don't preach tonight. (laughs) Why do you think I did? Because it's not an option. How many of you parent like this? How many of you parent like this? You come home and your child's room is a mess. And you look and you say, hey, if you would like to, please clean your room. (laughs) Kids, when you come home from a tough day of school, do you say to your parents, it would be wonderful if maybe we could eat? (laughs) Perhaps I could open the refrigerator and there would be something? Maybe? (laughs) No. No. Parents, you come in and you say this. Clean your room. (laughs) Maybe there's some adjectives in there. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Depends on how long it's been messy. Right? Kids kids come home and they say this. I'm hungry. (laughs) Make me something. (laughs) It's a command. See, we're, we're here as God's witnesses. And he commands us. He commands us to share this message. Now, now I would contend this. I would, I would contend that, 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 that once faith penetrates that sin-filled heart and, and faith takes root in your heart, there's a change. And, and the change is this. If, if you look at the next passage it's on your backside, if you look at the next passage, it's this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Now, now sometimes this happens, okay? Sometimes, as pastors, we use really huge, big pastor-type words, <laughs> okay? And, and in this pastor is one of them. So, like, if, if you have salvation there, you can put a line through salvation and write eternal life just so you understand that. So look at how this passage reads. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for eternal life, for the eternal life of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Question is this. If you're taking notes, you can write it in the side. Do you live in a culture of grace or do you live in a culture of fear? What motivates you? My my motivation, I can tell you, my motivation is my Savior, Jesus Christ, who through his life and through his death has taken away all my sins and allows me to stand before a holy, merciful God. I can't be ashamed of that. I I want to share that message because I recognize through that message there is hope, through that message there is peace. Um, Now, now the thing is this, it happens. What, What happens is sometimes we worry a ton about that. So if you have your third blank tonight, it looks like this. God's word always produces results. 
Now, now, one of the things the devil likes to do is he likes to put obstacles up or he likes to get you to believe that it all relies on you. And I'll tell you right now, it doesn't rely on you. You are not going to convert anyone. You are only the tool God is going to use to put the word out there. It is the Holy Spirit's job to do that. And believe me, he does it better than you. He does it better than me. I, I love this section. I love this section because of what's going on. Check this out. While Peter was still speaking these words, so here Peter is preaching. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So I I like this because this is like PG NIV. This is like the PG version, and it's really nice, and it's politically correct. You have to understand what's going on, okay? A couple things first. When the Holy Spirit was given to people on Pentecost, who were the people? They were who? Ethnic background. They were? They were Jews. So you, you got to see what's going on. Peter's speaking. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on him, and the Jewish people look, and they say this. How, how can they have the Holy Spirit? Like, we do this sometimes, right? What, what do you mean they have faith? They haven't even taken the 101 class yet. <laughs> how, can, how can they be doing that? <laughs> really, really, what would be going on here, if you want to take it kind of, we'll, we'll go a little risky, Pastor Gunn's not here today. Really, it says this, right? The uncircumcised believers who were with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. What the re- they're really saying is this. How can they have the Holy Spirit? They haven't even been circumcised yet. <laughs> A little more painful than a one-on-one class. Um, it's, just, it's just one of those things. And, and see, so many times, isn't that how it is? So many times, don't we stand in the way of the gospel? With, with these rules and these regulations that we erect, right? Simple truth is this. Simple truth is this. Every time God's word is preached... One of three things happens. If you're taking notes, you can write them. Hearts are hardened. It's a sad reality. As that gospel is proclaimed, as that gospel is preached, what what happens is sometimes hearts just get hardened. Second thing, faith is created. This unbelievable miracle that, that, that God's word comes in and it pounds that sinful heart, and it penetrates it, and it breaks it, and faith is created. The third thing is, faith is strengthened. The, the, the faith, faith that you have in your Savior, as you hear the word, it, it grows, and it builds, and it is strengthened. But it always produces results. Isaiah passage says this, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve a purpose for which I sent it. I I, I can tell you, I I said we're family. One of the things I I am huge is talking about mistakes and things that like are just crazy in my ministry. When I when I got assigned into the ministry, I uh, I was assigned to Miami, Florida. Uh, I call the first four years of my ministry the idiot portion of my ministry because I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> Prayed a lot. 
<laughs> the copier was even a challenge. Um, it's just, it's one of those things. We had a very small church, maybe on a good Sunday. We had about 68 people. And, and one Saturday, I got a phone call from a woman who said, hey, we just moved in the area. I've been looking for a church. Um, I'm expecting. We need to be back in church. And I said, okay. Um, this is where we're located. I would love to have you come check us out. And she said, there's one problem. And I went, there always is. Um, <laughs> And she said, my husband is Catholic. And I said, oh, okay. That, that's all right, you know. Just, if he wants to come, that'd be great. <clears throat> so that Sunday comes, and they come to church. And again, you have about 60, <clears throat> 70 people in church. So you know, you know it's, uh, when there's somebody new, you know. <laughs> and I see her, and I walk up and say, oh, hey, you must be Heidi. And she says, yeah. Her husband walks over, and he goes, I'm Jay. I'm Catholic, and I'm not changing. It's a good talk. <laughs> I said, All right, well, thanks for coming this morning. I'm glad to have you, and I, I hope maybe you, know, you, you get something from the service, and that'd be great. So he sits, and he's kind of disengaged in the service, but he's respectful and stands up and sits down the 42 times we normally do it, and uh, it's fine. And service gets done, and he's kind of standing back by himself, and he's kind of waiting for me as I'm saying goodbye to everybody, and I see him, and I think, I think this is what I think. This is the stuff they teach you in the seminary. Like this is the stuff where, where God's word has worked on his heart and he is just going to renounce everything and he's gonna, it's going to be awesome. And I walk over and I say, hey, Jay. And he goes, yeah, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And I said, sure. And he says, well, I was doing some thinking during your sermon. I'm like, this is what they tell you about. This is how God's word works. It's awesome. And he goes, yeah, we had to pay tolls on the way down. I don't think it's right. Maybe you could split it with us. I, <laughs> now what's weird is this this was back in the days when I used to wear a suit and a tie and a gown and all that stuff and I never ever would preach with anything in my pockets and I reached in my pocket and for some weird reason tolls were 50 cents I had a quarter in my pocket and I looked at him and I said sure man that sounds like a fair, fair deal and he, I flip him the quarter he takes the quarter and he says thanks and he walks away <clears throat> like four weeks later he got an adult class. 18 weeks after that, <laughs> and that's how we did it back then, 18 weeks after that, he became a member. Four weeks after that or three weeks after that, he was teaching Sunday school. Six weeks after that, he was on my council. About 12 weeks after that, he took a job promotion and, and moved. Uh, and he was, like three days before they moved, I found out about it. He, he couldn't tell me that he was moving. We were pretty close and he, when I found out and I talked to him, <clears throat> he, he started crying. And he said, I couldn't tell you because you've done so much. You've been, and I, and I get this a lot, you've been such a tool. Um, <laughs> for <laughs> you, you've been such a tool for God's word. Um, and he said, I, I don't know what we're going to do. And I remember we loaded up his truck, and this was the coolest thing. We loaded up the truck. And he, he opened the window as he's leaving and he, he flips me a quarter. And he says, I never used it, you know. Because see, this is a thing. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about our Savior. And God's word works. It works. 
So many times we put so much pressure on ourselves to say, boy, it's about if I do it this right, if I do this right, or if I do this, or I do that. It's not about that. It's about God's word. We're, we're all flawed human beings. We all have issues. But the cool thing is, is that at the cross, those issues are resolved through Jesus' life and death. And your Savior not only wants a relationship with you, but he wants a relationship with everyone who you know and even people who you don't know. That's just true. Last blanks tonight. God's word. God's word is a get to, not a have to. We, we, we always joke in Appleton, um, we, we don't use have to. There's no, there's no have tos. Say, it's kind of like this. People say, well, we have to go to church. And even my members now say, no, no, you don't have to go to church. Like visitors look and they go, what? <laughs> you don't have to come to this church? They're like, nope. And they're like, well, then if you don't have to come, why do you come? And my members say this. Well, because we get to. Because we can't live without it. Because it's here that we're told how horrible we are and that there's hope. It's here where we're confronted with every issue that we have only to see the solution at the cross. It's here where, where we are loved. It is here where we know. So we target people with that gospel. Look, look at what it says. Then Peter said, I love this. Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? I mean, they're like lining up, right? <laughs> They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And the text kind of implies that he did that. Again, it would have been kind of a weird thing, right? A a Jew with a Gentile host family. I I think about that awkward tension a lot. um, Because, see, this is the thing I already told you I was weird. So I like baseball and superheroes, and Jesus, not necessarily in that order. Um, So who do you think I hang around with? Uh, Baseball players. Actually, we have baseball players in Appleton who live with us. They play in the Milwaukee Brewer system, so I hang around with them. Uh, Since I like Jesus, who do you think I hang around with? What do I do for a living? (laughs) Pastors, right? And weird superhero people. How difficult is it sometimes to step out of your comfort zone? Because see what happens sometimes. We have this incredible gospel message. And we recognize that it changes lives. And what we do is we, we, we kind of hold it here and we say things like this. Well, you know, you, you look like me and you sound like me and you like what I like. So I'm going to give you the gospel. <laughs> oh, but you look different than me. And eternity is a really long I'm not so sure I want you there. <laughs> so I'm going to hold it. And maybe, maybe then I can get it. See, I, 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 don't, I don't like that. I, I, like, I like to be uncomfortable. And I like to push. Because, see, this is what I recognize. I recognize it, that I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a really good person. And yet at the cross... Jesus takes those sins away. And I can look at everything that my Savior has forgiven and that motivates me 
to share that message that changes lives with other people. And, and it, it's, in fact, it's, it's, it's not a have to, it's a get to. And if you want to tag something onto that, it's actually a, I can't help but. <laughs> or I can't help but not, <laughs> right? I, I, I can't help but share that gospel. It's kind of, kind of like this. The last pastor I have is this. And, and I'll set it up. Peter and John are, are teaching in a city. And everyone gets upset and they take and they come in and they arrest them. Then they say, don't do that anymore. And then they, they take them, they let them out and they do it again. And then they arrest them and they bring them before the ruling people. And this is what Peter says. Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So my question is this. If you're taking notes again, this is my question for you. Do you have your own personal mission statement? And if you don't, I I would hope and I would pray, this is another homework assignment for you, that you have one. Mine is simple. And if you want to steal mine, you can steal mine. It's not copyrighted. It's not trademarked. And my mission statement is this. From every pore of my body, I will ooze my Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is so that when I run into people and I get to talk to people and I get to brush up against people, they get my sweaty, oozy Jesus all over them. <laughs> and, and I want to be really clear. I target people. Uh, my, wife, my wife works for Buffalo Wild Wings. It is awesome. <laughs> Wings are like jello. There's always room. Um, it, is, it is 100% true. And this is how it is. Thursday night she works late. Friday night is, you know, one of the six days of the week I have off because pastors only work one day a week. Um, And Thursday nights I go in to Buffalo Wild Wings and I I sit at the bar and I look for people who I know need Jesus. And and a couple months ago this would happen. I was sitting at the bar and, and all of a sudden another pastor and one of his members came in. And I was at one end of the bar, and they're at the other end of the bar, and they saw me, and they're like, hey, come over. I'm like, no, I'm working. (laughs) And they were like, wow, drinking beer and eating wings, that's a cool job. (laughs) And I said, no, I'm serious, this this is what I do. So they're sitting at the other end of the bar, and just then, this woman came in, she was about mid-30s, she came in with two guys, the two guys were together, (laughs) Um, and, and she was with them. And she sits down, and I'm sitting there, and she keeps bumping into me. And finally, I just turned, and I said to her, hey, ma'am, I'm sorry, would, would you like me to move down? I keep bumping into you. And she said, no, it's fine. It's not bothering me at all. Um, <laughs> so I, so I, took my, I took my phone, and I set my phone on the bar. And she looks over, and she goes, oh, is that an iPhone? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, do you like it? And I said, oh, in fact, I, I couldn't do the job I, I do without my phone. And I'll tell you this, at that point, I had her. I'm serious, I had her. And she goes, oh, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, if I tell you, you'll never talk to me again. <laughs> and she looks, she goes, no, I'm serious, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she, and I start talking. Oh, what church? What time's worship? Where do you go? Now, what I find out later, the next day, is the pastor and his member who are on the other end of the bar, his member says to him, There's no way that guy's a pastor. He's hitting on that girl. (laughs) And and my friend who's the pastor says, no, watch. She's going to ask for his church number in just a second. Watch. He's really good at this. (laughs) Come to find out this is what it is. She's 35 years old. Just went through a divorce. It was first Christmas. She's been away from her kids. Her her heart's aching. She knows she made a mistake in the divorce. She loves her husband, ex-husband. But she she, she doesn't know how to, to work and reconcile that relationship. 
So this is what she said. It's like there's a hole in me. And I just keep trying to fill the hole. And one of the things is I'm, I'm really transparent and I'm really honest. I said to her, sweetie, this is a thing. We could lay you on the bar. We could pour every ounce of booze in this place in you and fill you with wings. And the hole is not going to get filled. So here we are at the bar and she's bawling. Because <laughs> I have that effect on people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and she turns to me and she says, and you're probably going to tell me, you're probably going to tell me that you have what I need to fill the hole. And I said, oh yeah. Let me tell you about my Savior. Let me, let me tell you about my best friend and what he's done for you. And here at the bar on Calumet Street at Buffalo Wild Wings, I get to take her through how valuable she is to Jesus and how he is the king of fixing broken relationships, starting with our God. Because see, this is what happens. One of the huge things the devil does is he makes us busy and he makes us not able to see what goes on, right? We're, we're, like, we're like people with blinders. And think about, think about our world, right? Uh, we, we, we walk around like this. If you have teenagers, parents, don't your teenagers just do this? Right? Adults, aren't we always like this? Or maybe you have a Bluetooth so you don't have this? How hard is it to engage in conversation and talk to people who are like this or like this? So we look for those opportunities because it's through those opportunities that we get to put the word out there. And it, it's crazy because it's a, it's a get to. Can't help but. So, so this is the thing. This is how we're going to end today. If you're looking at your notes, my, my next step in the crosswalk, it's simple. Simple. Who, who do you know right now in your life? Who do you know right now in your life that needs to hear God's word? Because, see, this is the thing. Some of us, some of us know we have people in our life who we know, and we, and we do things like this. I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know if I'll say the right words. What if I screw this up? You're a tool. You're a tool. Your blessing is that you get to put the word out there and the Holy Spirit does it. So, so first thing, right? This week you find one of your friends who you know need it and you say, look, I know you're going through this or I know you're struggling with this because we all have people like that. Te- teens, some of you who are here are teens. Maybe somebody you go to school with. Maybe somebody who's even in a Christian school who, who hears Jesus and knows Jesus but doesn't know Jesus. <laughs> and you invite them because it's here that they hear that message. Second thing is this. How, how am I going to make this a get to and not a have to in my life? I, I, I'll tell you one more story. So in my, my four years of idiot ministry in Miami, we had early worship, and I don't sleep much. Shocking. And uh, I would get up early, like at 5.30, because I'd go and get bagels, set everything up, work on Bible class, get ready for worship. That's what I'd do. 5.30, I'd be rolling out of my house. My neighbor, two doors down, was living with his girlfriend, and every Sunday morning, he went fishing, and this was our conversation for the first four years. Morning, Troy. Morning, Ski. What are you doing today, Troy? I'm going fishing. 30 miles off the bay, da-da-da-da-da. Nice. What are you doing today? Church. 
not a get to. Why would he ever want to come? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the leader. <laughs> and that was my attitude. Horrible. So in your life, how do we reflect that love that Jesus has had for us and show that love? One of those things. Final one. Remember, it's our job to put the word out there. Holy Spirit will do the rest. Show me one aspect in your life where you've done better than God. Nowhere, right? And yet, so many times we put that pressure on us to, to cling to that and to hold to that. It's all the word. We're simply the tool God uses. It's my hope and my prayer for you this week that you, you, you look at these things and you see what a blessing it is that you get to share that message that changes lives and changes eternities. And it's not a have to. We ask for Jesus' help in this. In his name, amen. We'll, we'll bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, you are a, a God who is kind, a God who is compassionate, a God who is forgiving. Lord, today we come before you for all those times where, where we've really taken you for granted, where we've looked at what you've done for us and, and the wonderful privilege you give to us of sharing what you've done for us as a have to. We ask today that, Lord, you would, through your word, help us to, to have that shift in our heart, that we would see it as a get-to and a can't-help-but-to, and that in every aspect of our lives, we would reflect the love you have shown to us so that love may be shown to others. We ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.